Today we have Krista on the show and she lives in Logan Lake. Logan Lake was one of the towns in British Columbia that was evacuated due to the wildfires this season. And we're going to talk a little bit about that, what it was like to be there when that happened, what it's like to be evacuated, what it's like to live in a rural community. So this segment is about BC wildfires. Hi, Krista. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, doing really well. Thanks for being on the show. I'm excited to be here. A little nervous, but excited. <laughs> that's good. Excitement and nervousness are the, are the exact same emotion, so that's awesome. About August of 15th, the Tremont wildfire started to make its way towards Logan Lake. How many people are in Logan Lake? I want to say there's about 1,800 people. I could be wrong on that, but close to it. It's just a little small town outside of, so 30 minutes outside of Kamloops and 30 minutes from Merritt. We're kind of just in the middle of both. So people that have never been into smaller communities, what do you have in that community? 2,000 people approximately. Like, what do you have? Do you have a gas station? Do you have a store? We have two gas stations. We have a grocery store, a dentist, cafe, a couple pubs because it's a small town, <laughs> police station, ambulance, fire. Um, I work for a local nonprofit that works with seniors and youth. It's kind of open to everybody, but those are our, our targeted as seniors and youth. So you have a big fire. The Tremont fire was making its way towards your town at a rank five status, which is pretty terrifying. What happens in a small town for you guys to get ready to leave? Honestly, it's hard to believe that it is ever actually going to happen to you. It was on the Thursday we all got the message from the fire department and the mayor that we had to evacuate. So I work for, I had a whole bunch of youth in my care. We had to make sure that their parents picked them up and everything. It was an eerie feeling driving home from work. I only live a block from work, but driving home and seeing all your friends and family, like rushing around, trying to get everything packed up and not forget anything that's important to them. How long did it take to evacuate your town? Um, I think they had three hours notice. So that's great. Everybody could make sure they got everything they thought that they needed, but I'm here to tell you, you never actually remember to grab everything you think you want to take with you. <laughs> um, I'm lucky enough that my husband and my son are on the fire department. So we had been prepared for quite some time. Our trailer had been packed with anything that was super important to us. You still just don't think it's going to happen to you. You don't realize it can happen. And you stayed, your husband stayed. Did your son stay? Yes, my son and my husband stayed and I also stayed just to help out anywhere I could. Um, we parked our trailer down at the fire hall and if the fire chief needed anything, he knew that he could call on me to help out wherever I could. So the town's empty. You're staying. How many people stayed in that town? Um, so that weren't part of the fire department. I want to say maybe five so that but even on the, I think it was the Friday night, don't quote me on the days because it was kind of all a mix, a blur. Uh, the Friday night, most people other than the fire department had left other than me and the fire chief's wife and another officer's wife. The three of us were the only civilians, I guess you could say, that were left behind. And I assume that's a pretty eerie feeling. It was, it was cool in the beginning. It was a nice feeling to be able to walk around town and be, you know, the only person here, but it was super, super eerie after a while. 
what happens now? You've evacuated. What starts to happen in your town? Um, you just see a lot of people moving in. It's amazing the amount of people, the firefighters and that pull into town to help save a community that they've never been to or they don't know anybody in town. It's amazing, amazing thing. That's how you and I met. I was working for Surrey Fire at the time and we got a call for deployment to Logan Lake and we had just had a four alarm structure fire and we were kind of mopping up from that. It was a 30 hour fire and we got deployed the next morning to Logan Lake and we had to put together a truck. Uh, We put together kind of a, I call it a super engine. It is actually a tender with 2,200 gallons of water and we loaded all of our hose and air packs and everything we needed on there to make it a type one engine. So it's basically a type one engine with over 2000 gallons of water. And we hit the road the next morning at six o'clock and we started driving towards Logan Lake. And for me, I've been fortunate enough to, I was deployed in 2003 for the first state of emergency in BC and I've been deployed every other state of emergency. So this was my fourth state of emergency in the province. And The gentleman that I had on the truck with me on the way up had never been deployed. So they had no idea what we were going to experience. And they were asking lots of questions. So we're driving up to your town while people are heading the other direction. And we stopped for fuel twice. And in Merritt, we stopped. And a gentleman came up with his trailer and said, are you guys by chance going to Logan Lake? And we said, yes, we are. And he brought us some water. And then he started to cry. And he told us how that house he'd been there for 25 years and he loved it and he just left everything. He was trying to explain to us how important his house was. And I was in a command vehicle and the crews were on that engine. And when they got back on that engine, they said, we want to find that guy's house and save it. And I said, everybody's house is that guy's house. And so we're one of those people that roll into town and we meet at your ice rink. You have a beautiful ice facility and we kind of took over your ice facility in over five days. We probably pulled in 40 fire departments, showed up there. And we were structural protection. And then we started sprinkling buildings. But one thing about Logan Lake is I've driven by that exit so many times, but never pulled in. For me to roll in there with a crew, I was wowed of how cute and beautiful this little town was. And off in the distance was a huge dark monster moving it's it, moving towards us and we started to meet and started to strategize and what we want a sprinkler and basically it's a guessing game on winds where's that where is that fire gonna go we saw where the fire was coming into town and we had a challenge a Talqua Lake Road where it had a whole bunch of ranch properties and so that was our first order of business and then the second order of business was that cross-country area up by the tower and we started to lay huge bladders and lots of hose and sprinkler every house on that on that perimeter all the way around town and basically you just get all that done and you sit and wait you were there sitting and waiting with us one of the things that was cool that people don't know about an evacuation is I've been to some very big evacuations some towns that are very large and everybody leaves But in your case, people stayed to keep the gas station open. You stayed to work in the cafe. People stayed to just help us who came in there. And that doesn't always happen. A lot of times uh, I've been deployed where I'm sleeping in my truck or I'm eating the same food for three days and there's nobody there. You guys were so nice. So explain what it's like once this cavalry moves into your town. Now what? 
it was awesome. Honestly, I was like, wow, it's so cool to watch all this happen. I was lucky to be able to stay behind. And for me, I think that was the best option for my anxiety to be there and experience everything and, and know firsthand what was going on instead of through the grapevine hearing on Facebook. So on the Saturday, we were up at the rec center watching it pull in. And then I looked over at the fire hall and saw that my trailer had disappeared. My camper trailer. <laughs> um, the fire chief had decided that the best option was to pull any trailers that were left behind out or into the fire hall. So for four days, we lived in the fire hall in our trailer. I had my dog, my cat, my son, and my husband in one trailer in the fire hall. Yeah, it was terrifying. It was the most terrifying, amazing experience ever. I hope I never, ever have to experience it again. But I met lots of people who are just amazing people that they can put themselves in, ultimately in the line of danger to save something they've never seen before. They've never been to this town before. They've never met people from the town. It's amazing. I managed a, a task force. So a lot of the firefighters that were working with me had never been deployed before. So basically you're training people as they get in there. And, and I'm fortunate where I'm connected with a few people that are in BC wildfire and structural protection. So I, the first day for these folks was almost like hands-on training. And it was pretty cool to see how hard people worked and how many hours they were willing to work. And nobody wanted to go to bed because you, you could see this ominous black thing off into the distance. And, and it kept consuming more of the sky every hour that went by. And what people need to understand is when you're in a, in an area that's evacuated and the winds are coming your direction, that thing, that monster came in at rank five and everything was working. We had all of our structural protection sprinklers working. They're being checked there. Everything was ready to go. And we were worried we we're going to lose that cell tower. And then we lost power because the fire burned through all those high, high, the, those really big power lines that were coming into town. And, um, you knew it was game time. Then when, when the power went out, you knew it was game time. And, what people need to understand is the province of BC, uh, California, when they do get into a bad wildfire season, they run out of resources. There's not enough people and resources to go around. And this was the case for Logan Lake because Logan Lake happened towards the middle of the season and we were all getting creamed in the province. So we were lucky to have the crews that we did, but BC wildfire was very tapped and they were, they were, they let, they, they got there at the very last minute. And when they got there and BC wildfire is an incredible machine, some of the hardest working people you've ever mm -hmm. seen in your life. They came in with their cavalry probably three hours before that fire decided it wanted to come into town and they went to work. And when you watch them work, they are unbelievable. And they probably brought in 20 tanker loads of retardant that got dropped around that, that section of town. And it was an ominous show. And here came the fire. It was amazing. It was like, it was, it almost felt like a war zone. Um, nothing, not one single thing was the reason this town is still standing. Everything worked together. Uh, standing watching, because I, I just, I made food. I made sure everybody was fed. So I wasn't actually fighting the fires, but it was amazing to watch um, 
as it came into town, the winds changed at exactly the right time. Um, the bombers came overhead at exactly the right time. Uh, everything just, I don't know how to explain it. It weaved together perfectly to save our town. It was just, there wasn't one thing. It was everything just worked perfectly together. We are super lucky. It's funny because one of the guys from another department, he asked me, you've been on a few deployments, right? I go, yeah, a few. And he said, do they always go like this? I go, this is the best deployment I've ever been on. Like I've arrived in some towns where in the first night we lose two dozen homes and you're deflated and people are distraught and you're still evacuating while houses and structures are on fire. It's just super chaotic where this was like a movie shoot. The way this went down, yes. it was unbelievable the way the fire roared up the 50 foot flames rolled up to the edge of town and just sat there and surrounded almost the town yeah it kind of split and went around either side of town it was it was crazy it was like we had a little dome over town somebody was protecting us um yeah it was great i, I went to bed at midnight that night and i looked out and we were surrounded in fire the whole town was surrounded in fire but it was stopped at those homes that had sprinkler protection. The retardant had slowed it down and the winds changed. It was just like it was all meant to happen. I, I think your, your fire chief's quote to the media was hell on earth. That's what yes. he, he called it. There was still in the morning when we got up, there was a lot of smoke and there were still some flames kicking around, but we were completely surrounded for the most part in the black. The fire had burned up to that point and now was moving past town. It was, it was great. It was, I can't even describe the feeling. I, I've tried to come up with words and we think about it often and talk about it, but you just can't describe it unless you're actually here. And I think it's probably different for people who are from here. My husband and son both said that it was amazing. They do it again in a heartbeat, but they never want to do it again in their own town ever, ever. Cause you know the people who live on the outskirts of town. You know those people's houses that you're trying to protect. We've never had an ice rink to set up our tents in before. So we set up our tents in the ice rink. So there's like 60 or 70 tents all set up in this ice rink. And the task force leaders, there was four of us, we'd get up earlier and we would uh, meet in the morning. And I remember walking over. I said, hey, Chris, is it possible to get three coffees? And you said, Steve, <laughs> anything is possible. Yeah, that's, I love to live by that. Anything is possible with the right mindset or the right amount of energy put into it. You can do just about anything. The one thing I can say about Logan Lake that I really haven't seen before was how well it had been fire smarted. We went into bushed areas where normally an ember shower is what takes down structures in, in that yeah. type of fire. Because when a fire is moving at rank five, it creates its own weather. It creates its own clouds. It creates its own winds. And you just, you're at the mercy of that monster that comes into town. And usually it's an ember shower um, that lots of embers um, come down or pine cones drop on, on fire and they land on cedar roofs and that's how the structures catch on fire. People don't necessarily understand that, but wildfires will travel a long way because of the embers. And in your town's case, I've been to several towns in British Columbia during wildfire season over the last 18 years. And I don't know if I've ever seen a town that has spent more time fire smarting than you guys. How did you do that? Um, so it started years and years ago. So Logan Lake is now 52 years old. So it's not a very super old town. 
So it started years ago with past mayors, just pushing to have sprinklers put on roofs. This was a program called Super Key. We now call it uh, Fire Smart with the youth in town, where we hire eight youth uh, every summer to go around and clear the forest bottom, right? The sticks and, and the ground and trim trees so there's no ladder fuels on the trees so the fire can't climb up the trees and candle. It just stays right on the ground, uh, which I'm told that it makes it easier to fight the fires. I'm new to the program. We've only lived in Logan Lake for 10 years, so I'm still learning everything. And I just, I'm a sponge. I want to learn everything about it, um, especially now that the fire has come through town. But I hear that the sprinklers that they put on the roofs helped all the firefighters. Definitely. If we hadn't have had so many people um, on the outskirts of town with those sprinklers, it would have taken you guys longer to set up. Your town was so far ahead that it made it very easy for a structural protection group to come in and start working. Some of the ranch areas were a little tougher. Basically, what happens when you get to a rural home that doesn't have its own water and you're going to lose power. So what structural protection will do is they'll set up these huge 2,500 gallon bladders. That's an average size. They will fill it with water with tenders and they will run these little pumps, water pumps, and they'll put sprinklers all around the homes and they will run those. They'll run them several times throughout the day, days before the fire arrives, if they can. In this case, there was only really 48 hours to get set up and run those things. And on the Tuckwa Lake Road area, which was right on the side of town where the fire came roaring in, there were people that stayed in their homes. And so that changes the game for firefighters and structural protection is we know people are going to stick it out when a rank five fire is coming through there and we need to do more than just put sprinklers up. It was quite unnerving for us because the, the fire did rip through that area and it ripped through at rank four and five. And we were very worried about those residents that stayed. And I went, went back with some crews to look. And when we started taking down the sprinklers, there was a facility there called Vision Quest. And it was a large uh, ranch with lots of outbuildings and completely surrounded in the black. The fire just moved around that facility and all the homes down there. And it was super cool for me because when I was walking around, um, I took a little video and uh, crews were pulling down the sprinklers and a little kitty cat came out and met me. Little paws were burned and I called him Smokey. And then he hopped into one of the little buildings there and just went away. And it's amazing what wildlife survives. But then you have a little cat. Here we're so worried about these people. And this little cat with burned paws is walking around like nothing happened, just coming out to meet people. Super cool for some of the people that were working there now that the fire had passed through. So Vision Quest is, is like a rehab center for gentlemen in town. Um, they help a lot. So it's great that their facility is still standing. Um, I've seen some pictures of how it burned right up to buildings and water pump stations. And it's amazing what a sprinkler can do. So we are lucky enough to have people in the past push for sprinklers and fire mitigation. And yeah, I'm hoping that other communities realize how important it is. It definitely is important. I think your town set the standard. I know BC Wildfire was blown away. Everybody that was deployed there was blown away by how much work you guys had done and how seriously you took fire smarting. And what was also noted is how well the people that came into town were treated. You guys were run off your feet with how many firefighters were there and you were one of them, but 
you just were always available. You guys were making food. That's so important for those people. And, you know, even to have the gas station stay open, it's just such a big deal because then we have to, you know, chopper and fuel and truck in all these resources and the, just the gas station and you guys alone uh, made the biggest difference for those people that were deployed there um, to have hot food. We had an ice rink, so we had washrooms, we had showers, which is nice. You don't always get those. Sometimes you'll do a six to 12 day deployment and you don't get to shower. There was a lot of amenities there, but we were all treated so very well. So credit to all the people that stayed and, you know, helped out the first responders that were there. You don't always get to see that. So yeah, it's going down as one of my best deployments ever, but I, I know it played a part on your mental health staying. What did it do now that you're hearing stories of people coming back? We were both mental health advocates. What happens to someone when they have to evacuate and what happens to someone when they have to stay? Staying was difficult on my mental health for sure. I kind of pushed my own mental health aside to make sure that all the firefighters and everybody in town was fed. I feel that it made a difference making sure that people came into a building and they had a smiling face. Anybody who needed hugs, we gave them away. I'm huge on that. Hugs are given away for free. So, <laughs> um, which is weird because I'm not really a huggy person in general, but I can tell when somebody needs them. So, uh, smiles and hugs and food is what I gave away. And for the week that everybody was out of town, everybody who was here kind of pushed their own mental health aside to make sure everybody who was fighting to save our town had everything they needed from laundry. We did laundry. I did so many loads of laundry for firefighters. It was hard. It was hard to come down from that. I guess you could call it a high. <clears throat> um, we took a week and went away a week after everybody was back in town. We left town. It was a fight, definitely. Still, there's days when people talk to me about it and I'm kind of like, yeah, you know, I don't want to talk about it right now. <laughs> we talked about it being hard on your mental health, being evacuated, but also staying there. What could towns do, say, next season? What do you think could be done for towns that have to evacuate or people have to come back? And what kind of resources should the province bring in or should the town bring in now that you've been through it? Um, I think they need to make it more accessible for somebody to talk to about being evacuated. Phone, even like a phone number for, for people who have been evacuated versus in person. Especially from a small town, they don't want to be seen going into counseling in a small town. I mean, big towns talk, but small towns, everybody knows everybody, which is definitely harder for some people. So yeah, I think the the province of British Columbia should make it a little easier for people to access help that they require without in-person counseling if they don't want to have that. So for people that are being evacuated or even evacuated in hotels, they could maybe connect virtually to a clinical yes. counselor. Yes, for sure. I think the adrenaline of being evacuated or staying behind kicks in. And it's not for weeks or months after before you realize that it actually super affected you. It took me uh, probably a good three, four weeks to come down and realize that, wow, it was crazy. And it affected me a little bit more than I thought it did. For me, um, suffering from mental health, and I'm a big push of mental health, um, I think it needs to be a little more normalized in everyday life. People need to realize that you don't have to have any past mental health problems or issues 
something like this can play, like being evacuated can play a huge, huge part in how people recover. Um, I don't think people talk about the mental health part of it of, as much as they should, 100%. And I have to keep in mind that when you talk to people that everybody had a different experience, we were all evacuated, but everybody's experience was different and how they dealt with it is different. You know, even for first responders, we go up there, even for the firefighters, the structural protection people, the structural protection people in British Columbia, you know, some of these people, they were working 12 hours a day. They left your community and go right to another one and they go right to another fire. They don't go home for months. And same with BC wildfire. If you watch BC wildfire really work, if you take a good look at that organization and how hard those people work out on the line. They work very, very hard. And for us as structural people, we come in with our big machines and, you know, we set up our tents and we do our thing. We work long hours, but we don't work manually like the people from BC Wildfire. They're an incredible organization. When you see them work, which you got to see, they are amazing. It's like a science for them. And then once it's moved past, they pack up and go to the next town. It's amazing. It's definitely made me want to uh, learn more. I haven't decided exactly which way I want to learn more, but <laughs> I'm, I'm fascinated with everything that everybody that came to town did. All those firefighters, BC Wildfire, the structural protection people, the structural firefighters that rolled in, uh, there's a letdown for them as well. I mean, some people keep going to towns and they don't come back. But in our case, we went back to our city. Uh, you know what, we rolled back in there and unloaded all of our gear and it was like it never happened. And, you know, the last day I, I came in to say goodbye to you guys and I got one of your fantastic hugs. But there was a lady there <laughs> who I hadn't seen before and she started telling me a story and, you know, she asked where I was from and I said, oh, I was from Surrey. And, and she told me a story about someone she really cared about who had overdosed and uh, Surrey firefighters had, had, had helped that person when he wasn't breathing and uh, got him to an ambulance and helped him get to the point where maybe he could recover and she you know noted the Surrey Fire Department and I remember she was crying and then I started crying and I'm up there managing other crews and I I don't take anything for granted in life but I try not to get emotional at moments like those but there's my letdown she's telling me how someone really close to her was really brought back to life in her words by the Surrey Fire Department and we just happened to be there and our crews do that every single day sometimes two two dozen times a day and they that's just their job they never really think about that story that that lady just told us and here we're getting pulled hundreds of miles away from our city and it was it was quite a moment and uh yeah that was that was very memorable for me to leave um after hearing that story definitely teared up which i tear up often so it's not abnormal but yeah i've heard that story before from this person and it's amazing that you can come to a community and see the effects that you have after you've helped somebody i'm hoping that some of the firefighters come back here and see what they helped save right when it's not burning experience everything that happens here i suggest everybody who's traveling next summer to stop by logan lake and some of the most amazing people you've ever met and it's where anything is possible Anything is possible in Logan Lake, for sure. Krista, thanks for being on the show. I think um, 
people in small towns that are listening across Canada and, and in California, maybe we'll have a different perspective on wildfires that come into town, listening to what you had to say and, you know, how it affected the people of your town. And again, if you're traveling through British Columbia, please stop by Logan Lake. It is the cutest, most beautiful little community made up of the most amazing people where anything is possible. Thank you very much, Steve. Anything is possible in Logan Lake. Come visit us anytime. Thanks so much, Krista. Take care. Hey. Thanks so much for listening and helping us crush the stigma when it comes to mental health. Take care. Thank you.